Hey, Angelinos and anyone in the surrounding L.A. area, I'll be doing four shows at the Ice House in Pasadena next month. Two shows on Sunday, March 4th, and two shows on Sunday, March 11th. Go to IceHouseComedy.com for tickets. And if you're in London, Stockholm, Oslo, Amsterdam, and Dublin, I'll see you in April. Go to the tour page at WTFPod.com to get tickets to my European shows. I should probably put my Ice House shows up there, too. That would be a smart thing to do. Yeah, I'll do that now as well. All right, let's do the show. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Big day today. Big fan of the guy who's on today. Tracy Letts is here. Uh, he's a playwright, an actor. You might know him from uh, the most recent film, Lady Bird. He plays uh, Molly Shannon's husband on that show, Divorce. He was in uh, he was in uh, the Post. Let's us here. He wrote uh, he wrote Bug. He wrote Killer Joe. He wrote uh, August Osage County. He's uh, I love the way he acts. I, I I feel like I know the guy, and it was great to have him in here to talk to him. It was it was nice. It was. It was fun. It was familiar. I, it's weird when I get it in my mind that I know somebody. I act like I know them, and then either it takes or it doesn't. That's my style. If I think I know you, I'll try to. I'll try to. I'll try to impose that on you. <laughs> and I and I did that. I did that with Let's to some success. I must say, I feel like we're close. I feel like we're friends. I feel like we could hang out. I feel like we could talk more. I also feel like I'll never see him again. Maybe I'll see him at an award show, which I did see him at an award show. I saw him at um, at the uh, at the critics award show, and then we talk about I we I talk about my problem with approaching people at award shows, and it yields something at the end. So there's a tease for you. Something went down. You know what I'm saying? Do you? How about an email? I got stories. I got things. I got comedy to do in a few hours. New York moment subject line. Hi, Mark. Just wanted to let you know I love the show. Like a lot of people our age, I'm 53. I've dealt with a lot of demons, ups and downs in my life, drinking too much and gambling on sports and in the biggest casino, the stock market on an upward arc now. Saved marriage, curbed the boozing, stopped the gambling and working out on a regular basis. This leads me to my WTF moment. I'm working out, getting my sweat on at the local Equinox when this big dude asks to work in with me on a machine. I'm about 40 minutes into the workout and your interview with Ta-Nehisi Coates, which I'm really enjoying. I look up and there he is standing in front of me working his set of reps. I blurted out, you're Ta-Nehisi and you are talking to Mark Marin right now on my phone in the garage in L.A. Suffice it to say, I calmed down, had a chuckle and a nice chat with the guys we worked out. Classic WTF New York moment. Keep up the good work. Love the show. Well, that was that's fun, man. Uh, uh, good for you, Matt. I'm glad you got to meet that guy. He's a good guy. Oh, there was another email here that I thought was pretty funny. It was actually really ridiculous and funny. Uh, where would that be? Where would that email be? Oh, here, here it is. Here it is. Mr. Groover. Mr. Groover is the subject line. I woke up early this morning and decided to finish listening to your interview of Lori Kilmartin. At some point, you all began talking about Tim Robbins, and several times you both mentioned his role in Mr. Groover 
which was directed by Clint Eastwood. I'd never heard of this role or this movie, so I did what I often do while listening to your podcast. I began to Google it. I finally gave up when I couldn't find any movie with Tim Robbins or Clint Eastwood with the the name or character Mr. Groover. My husband and I... (laughs) My husband and I have often discussed how when we listen to your podcast, we find ourselves going down rabbit holes looking up stuff on the Internet. So when he woke up, I told him about my frustration in searching for Mr. Groover uh, and, and coming up with nothing. I finally said the only movie I could find with Tim Robbins and Clint Eastwood was Mystic River. He looked at me like I was crazy and said, don't you think that's what they were saying? It took me a minute, but it ends up that Mr. River sounds a lot like Mr. Groover when you say them out loud. I felt pretty stupid, but was glad to have the mystery solved, and we had a good little chuckle over it. I thought you would, too. Uh, We both love your podcast. Thanks for providing us hours of meaningful entertainment and for sending us down many rabbit holes. Peace, Lisa. Uh, Mr. Groover. Okay. Audiobooks are great for helping you be a better you, whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated, or learn something new. And with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more, Audible has all the audio content you need to start your year on the right foot. Here, I haven't done this in a while. Let's do a search on Audible. Let's search for, hey, Tracy Letts. That ought to work. Doing a search for Tracy Letts, my guest today. Oh, there you go. Uh, August Osage County, narrated by Tara Lynn Barr, Kimberly Guerrero. I guess this is a, a radio play of it. Yeah, at the L.A. Theater Works, L.A. Theater Works production, huh? The con- the Conquest of the South Pole. What does that have to do? Oh, Tracy's one of the narrators. All right. The point is, you can find something for whatever you're interested in, and you can listen anywhere, anytime. Whether it's on your phone, through your car, from a tablet, or at home on an Amazon Echo, you can get through tons of books while doing almost nothing. And Audible even lets you switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off. Start a 30-day trial, and your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash WTF, or text WTF to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WTF, or text WTF 500-500 for a 30-day trial and free first audiobook. Do it up with audiobooks, all right? Dig it. I've been trying to get exercise. I've been trying to work off the craft services that I indulged on uh, in the last couple weeks of Glow where I didn't give a fuck anymore. So I've been uh, wanting to exercise. I've been wanting to run. Uh, my, My chest has been a little tight. The air has been a little shitty. But there are some hikes nearby to where I live now. I And I don't really know the hikes. But I went up to the, the place where they are, I went up to the park, and um, I lit out on one of these hikes, and I thought I was going in the right area. This happened fucking twice, two different areas. Like, I went up one hill, and then I'm like, this is, I remember this being the hike, and I just hit this sort of strange dead end. And then uh, and then I went up another area, and I went up there, and then I, I found myself in a wooded zone going up a steeper than seemed right incline with not any new footprints around. And as I went up, I smelled the stench of rotting flesh. I swear to God, I smelled death up there. I didn't know what it was. It it smelled like a decomposing animal of some kind up on this, in this slight, slight clearing, but densely kind of weeded area up this incline and once that smell hit me and i saw there was a drop off on the right side where something could have fell down there but i didn't see anything but it was that moment where the panic overtook me you can't even walk outside now 
you can't not I guess you can, but I was by myself. I was in a new place, a new park. There was no one else on the trail and I smelled rotting flesh. And it could have been a person, but did I go did my curiosity take me up there? Did I say, you know, if that's a dead person up there that could be missing for a while, maybe I should go up there, check it out, and report it if that's the case. Did I do that? No, I did not. Uh, I made the assumption it was probably an animal. Uh, if it was a dead body, uh, I couldn't help that dead body. Uh, and if it was an animal, I didn't want to be next but to be taken down by whatever killed that one. So without even doing any exploration, I ran down the hill in a panic. And then that panic spread. And I didn't know if I was going to get just jumped by a mountain lion or just the the guy with the knife in the bushes there was the the sort of broad mountain lion guy in the bushes with a knife panic that one gets on a hike i turned my my uh my music off and i'm just scrambling down this hill and something must have clicked my music on in my pocket because elvis costello's beyond belief just started out of nowhere and i screamed out loud like, I don't want to say a little girl because I don't want, I don't want to be negative about little girls. I screamed out loud like a man who screams like you would think a woman might. Is that diplomatic enough? And then I realized it was a song and then I turned the song off and then I just took, caught my breath, put the shuffle on and then Shine a Light by Spiritualized came on as I walked in to the setting sun out of the hike. So it had a happy ending, an uplifting ending, as a matter of fact, though there was a lot of shame involved in the hike itself. So that was an experience. And then I went to another new experience. I wanted to see if I could get fish for my cats. My cats have been enjoying these freeze-dried minnows that I bought at the pet store for too much money. And I thought, can't I just get that at some sort of Asian supermarket in bulk? Don't they have freeze-dried fish minnows that the uh, Asians use in their meals? And I've seen that, I think. I think I've seen that in Chinatown. I know there's this place called uh, the Fish uh, Seafood Market, I think. It's right over here in Eagle Rock. I believe it's a Filipino market. But uh, I went in there, and you just have that experience. They just had tons of fish, man, all kinds of whole fish, fish heads. They had oysters and clams. They had things in tanks. They had a couple of bins of unfrozen anchovies and smelts they had produce i had not seen before it was just all filled with uh, uh filipino people and i think some people from thailand and all the products seemed different and it was exciting that is the exciting thing about america is to go into a market that services a different community than you're from and go oh my god look at this thing oh jesus maybe i should buy a durian Maybe maybe I need to try one of these. Look at the size of this thing. You open it up and it smells horrible, but it's really sweet. I've tried one. So I got some anchovies for the cats. They just scooped a big handful of raw anchovies, brought them back to three cats. None of them wanted anything to do with any of it. Monkey kicked it around, spreading the dead fish goo everywhere, stinking it up. So I threw those away, spent a dollar, threw it away. But I did get to go to the Filipino market. That's my point. One other story, but let's 
Let's talk about something else for a minute. I want to take a minute to say welcome back to Harry's. Harry's is an old sponsor of WTF, and we're happy to have them back, not only because we like Harry's, but because it's a great way for you to improve your daily shaving experience. Harry's is all about getting a great shave at a fair price, which is why over 3 million people have switched to Harry's. A good shave comes down to good blades, and because Harry's owns the factory, they're able to deliver amazing quality blades for just 2 bucks a pop, compared to the $4 or more you'll pay at the drugstore. You'll wind up saving about a hundred bucks a year if you're a frequent shaver. And you know me, I like getting stuff. You get that Harry's razor and blades and shave gel in a nice box sent right to your door. That's a lot nicer than waiting for someone to take it out of that plastic case at the store. Right? And all products are backed by a 100% quality guarantee. Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades, they'll give you their trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash WTF. Just pay for shipping. Your free trial set includes a sleek, weighted razor handle, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. So get your free trial set at harrys.com slash WTF right now and shave it up, folks. Shave it. Shave that thing. Shave your face. Shave whatever you want. All right? Just get get the equipment from Harry's. That's all I'm saying. Is that so terrible? Anyway, I made a mistake. This is a correction. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned being at the SAG Awards and running into Chris Sullivan from This Is Us, uh, who was standing about 10 feet away from Robert De Niro, who was sitting down talking to somebody else. And I, I doubled back because I wanted to try to say hi to Robert De Niro. I didn't really want to, but I thought I should because I was going to not, I was going to pass up the opportunity because I didn't know what to say. And I walked back and I saw a guy who I thought in, you know, I thought it was Chris Sullivan. And I introduced myself and I, and, and then I asked him if he was waiting to talk to, ne- to Nero or, or if he was just standing here by coincidence. He goes, and he was kind of, he's waiting to talk to De Niro. And I'm like, I'm not getting online. Yeah. But you know, it, it was just interesting seeing someone. I knew that that was what he was doing. But what I didn't know was that wasn't Chris Sullivan. It was Mike Houston from Orange is a New Black. So I contrived something there because they both, I think they're both bearded. And maybe lacking in the hair department. But nonetheless, I wanted to correct it because, uh, Mike Houston brought it to my attention on Twitter. And it was Mike Houston, not, uh, Chris Sullivan. And he didn't get to talk to him. And that, that's the end of that story. Now, Tracy Letts, folks, uh, he's in Lady Bird and The Post, both of which are in theaters now. He's also a playwright, many plays. He's been in many movies and we'll talk about that. But we also talk about, uh, talking to people or me talking to people at award shows and that goes somewhere all right this is me and tracy letts how you doing tracy i'm good mark how are you <laughs> are you adjusting yeah sure sure you, a, where's all your staff yeah <laughs> There's no staff. What were you led to believe? Did, were you, did you just show up blindly? You had no idea what you were getting into? Uh, I knew that you uh, ran a podcast out of your home in... Uh, in Highland uh, Park? Somewhere That's, in... Uh... In LA? Somewhere? That's all you knew? Yeah. I, uh... I, I used to I usually have a guy, but you know, there's no necessity for the guy because they're... To be honest with you, I never know who's coming with who, and I and there's no place to put people. So I, I used to have a guy just to make sure that people didn't start going through my stuff. So, in the house, but there's nothing in the house anymore. So, oh, I see. Yeah, so it's just me. The garage remains intact because I haven't uh, I haven't moved yet. I don't know if it's nostalgia or, or I'm just not willing to let go. 
But this is the original place. This is your gig. Yeah. I'm sorry. Now, see, now I'm hurt that, like, you know, none of the people that, that you know who have been in here have called you and said, Oh, Tracy, you gotta, you gotta go over to Mark's house. Nobody's done that. <laughs> I, in fact, it's, it kind of goes the opposite direction. I yeah. go, Why hasn't Mark had me on? He's yeah. had all my friends on. Did you uh, say that? Yeah, sure. I've been trying to, I tried to get you on a long time ago, <laughs> but I'm a fan of yours. I, I, you know, it goes back. I, I like what you do. I feel like I know you. I don't know why that is. Well, You're one of those people. We're roughly the same age. We are. We did you? Did... Uh, we've had a long, slow, <laughs> steady climb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you know you've got a Pulitzer, so I mean, there's a big difference in our success rate. I I'm hosting a, a, a podcast out of my garage, and you have a Pulitzer. Yeah, but you're on like three television shows, and uh, but uh, yeah, but you're in movies. I mean, come, you just uh, I'm not going to do this with you because <laughs> because you 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 won you won that one. You you you're but but you know we we took different directions. Yeah, I, yeah, we did. But we're not our, on a on geographical level. We grew up in uh, I grew up in New Mexico, so part of my state I think hits the tip of your state, Does Oklahoma. Yeah. Isn't the Panhandle? Doesn't that hit the corner of New Mexico? Maybe. See, that's uh, that's, that's out western of your, Oklahoma. That's, that's, your, that's not mine. <laughs> that's not my beat. It's totally different. <laughs> yeah. no, no one knows what's going on in western Oklahoma. You know, western Oklahoma is the flat, yeah, desert. Part. All right, right, Eastern right. Oklahoma, where I come from, the metropolis, uh, Eastern Oklahoma, Rolling Hills. Yeah, oh, that's right, uh, yeah. that's right. So you did grow up there, the whole, the whole. Yeah, I was born in Tulsa and grew up in uh, Durant, Oklahoma, a small town in southeastern Oklahoma. So now I, you know, my sense of Oklahoma is is not great. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, I get that. Yeah, and uh, you know, I don't know what yours is, but I mean, how did you avoid the the pitfalls? Of uh, Oklahoma. Well, I didn't avoid them. I, I left. <laughs> yeah. That's how I avoided them. I left. But, you know, the truth is that uh, my folks were academics. My yeah. folks uh, were English teachers, and I grew up around English teachers and, Cultured and English folks. departments. And, yeah, absolutely. They were teachers at the school? They taught at a small state college uh -huh. in uh, southeastern Oklahoma called yeah. Southeastern Oklahoma State University. That's right. where they taught. But m growing up, my dad was still... Pursuing his academic career, so we spent a couple of years in Champaign as he was getting his Illinois advanced degree. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. He uh, and uh, let's see where else. Uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. He taught at Southeast Missouri State for yeah. a couple of years, and uh, uh, a year in Copenhagen. He was a Fulbright scholar. How old were you, and when you were in Copenhagen? Just, just born. Oh, so I no recollection. Yeah, no, no impulse, no, no, no the, imprint. The folks who were from Oklahoma were. We're getting a little culture themselves. <laughs> yeah. Are both <laughs> your parents from Oklahoma? Yeah, they both were. Yeah. Wow. I, you know, I just associate it with, uh, you know, uh, cowboys and genocide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the the roots of the state, there are yeah. actually great progressive roots in Oklahoma. You know, Good. Woody Guthrie's from Oklahoma. Right. Will Rogers is from Oklahoma. Sure. I mean... Yeah, uh, you know, there's. I know I'm I'm being bad, poorly judgmental. It's it's just it, you know what it's the wrong thing. I I've been to Oklahoma City. Uh, I know Wayne Coyne, who is the lead singer of the Flaming Lips. Sure, he's sort of a a, a fixture there. Uh, interesting guy. Seems like he's got an interesting world there. I'm not saying that it's not devoid of anything. I just don't. I rarely meet people from Oklahoma. Well. I, I did leave. Yeah. I left a long time ago. I know. I know. But it's it's like in you, though, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can see it in uh, the Osage County play. <laughs> you know, yeah. that that's what Oklahoma is to you. Yeah. 
That's true. It doesn't end well. It does not end well. That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> so what What kind of... Your mother was a... We're, we're in it. We're doing this. We're in the interview. Yeah. What did you think was happening? <laughs> I don't know. It was just so seamless from, uh, <laughs> you know, stepping into the garage to suddenly just, talking you, about Oklahoma. You just realized it? <laughs> Yeah. That's that's why I'm known for I'm known for this. That's You've why been doing this a long time, yeah, haven't you? I, yeah. Damn, you're a pro. I had the thing running and everything. <laughs> Turned it on earlier. We're going, but like, uh, but so you, well, obviously, it had a lot to do with your parents. Like, if you had grown up, you know, in a rodeo town, it would have been a different life for you. But that's that right. Was, that was not what happened. The folks were uh, they were readers. Yeah, the house was filled with books. And but your mom was a writer, right? She was. Both the folks had uh, second careers after teaching school. My mom uh, was a writer and pursuing that for a long time while she was still teaching school. And then uh, she got a book published and then Oprah picked it up for her book club. Life changer. And it was a life changer. Mom She's best-selling author. Retired from teaching school. My dad took early retirement and followed me into acting. I had taken up acting at that point. He'd always been amateur uh-huh. actor, community yeah. theater and college yeah. theater. But he started pursuing it professionally in his 50s and made about 40 films and TV shows. Worked quite a bit. (laughs) Really? Yeah. You cast him, right? I did eventually. But, I mean, he had already had quite a career by that point. I mean, he's in stuff you would know, like Cast Away. Yeah. I I know you only think of Tom Hanks on the island. but No, he was on the plane. He's in the uh, – there's a a a scene like a Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving Uh dinner or something. He's the patriarch at the head of the table in Cast Away. Oh, really? Yeah, he did. Played a lot of sheriffs. Oh, after and, after after Tom Hanks comes home, or maybe even before he goes, oh, like really? the last time he sees huh. Helen Hunt. So wait, so your dad's out here in Hollywood? Well, he he, they've both passed away. Both folks have passed away. But Dad, he was doing a, you know they were making a lot of movies and TV shows in Texas at the time. So oh. he would drive down to Austin and Dallas, and uh-huh. Houston. He'd drive all over the place to go to these auditions and book jobs. He did it. Yeah, he did. He became like a two or three line character actor. <laughs> he did, or or even sometimes a little more than that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's he the... was really good. Yeah, I mean, I I'm wouldn't tra- have put him in Osage if he wasn't really good. He was, he was in was the really original good. cast of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and was he in the film too? He's not in the film. That was Sam Shepard played his part. That's correct. Sam Shepard, you like Sam Shepard? Sure. Yeah. All right. So we'll get back to Shepard because I I, <laughs> I felt like there was a, like there like I try to figure out. Like when I was in college or when I was watching plays and, and thinking about writing plays and being in plays myself, I think we, we might have had the same trajectory had I not, had I not taken the easier route in just being funny for people. Like had I had the confidence yeah, to stand up. That's a real easy route. Yeah, but it's very <laughs> impulsive. You know, you have a lot of control. It's very immediate and you don't have to do much work if you do it right. Right. But to write a play, you got to you got to believe that. I thought we weren't going to compare like this. Mark. No, we're not. No, I've already admitted. <laughs> we, we have both staggered blindly from one gig to the next you know, for our entire nom- adult life. Right, and we're both nominated for SAG Awards. <laughs> I'll meet you there. I did it. I got a nomination. I did. Are you nominated for a SAG Award? Yeah, you're there tomorrow night. I am. What are you nominated for? For my uh, I'm best uh, male in a comedy for Glow. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. It came to me late, the you know the acting thing. It just you know it was always there, but it was never. That's great. I you know I it's but are you going to win? 
I don't think so. I, I, I find that hard to believe that this late in the game. You think I, you've got a chance? Because if you didn't think you had a chance, your answer would have been, no fucking way am I going to win that award. Well, I, you know, I, I'm trying to be transparent here. My ego would like to think I could win, but I don't know if I can win. I'm up against the Will and Grace guy and write Larry a David. and Write a speech. Yeah? Yeah. Why don't we do it together? I, I, <laughs> do you have to thank, like, I, you know, do you thank your agents for everything? I, I thought maybe I'd just thank the writers and uh, the my co-stars and uh, uh, talk about, like, uh, I'm happy I bought a suit. Uh, Acknowledge and, the other nominees. Oh. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. I'll write that down. <laughs> hey, you know. You got to write it, though. These people who get up and say, I, you know, I didn't think I could win, so I didn't write anything. Yeah. It's like, well, you put on the fucking suit. Right. You stood in the line with everybody. Yeah. You sat at the table. Yeah, you should You put, really didn't think there was a possibility. Throw a couple things together. <laughs> Have you written something? No, because we're nominated for Ensemble, so I I'm, wouldn't be the one talking. I'm nominated for that, too, for GLOW. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but we're in different categories, right? We won't be. Oh, yeah, because yeah, no, yours is TV. Oh, okay. Yeah, fine. You had to find a way. <laughs> Just shut me down. All right. We were on the same level there for a minute. <laughs> and now I'm on television. <laughs> I've seen you on television. You yeah, like television. Yeah, I'm on TV too. Sure. But let's get back to my original point, which was you're doing the noble uh, 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 literate creative pursuit you're a playwright yeah no it wasn't like that <laughs> i went to chicago what uh, how old i uh 20 years old and now what what had you done before then acting wise uh i had gone to dallas for a couple of years with my little headshot and resume trying to get work that I, was the that was that was did someone misdirect you did you <laughs> <laughs> well it was close to home i, I want to be an actor i'm going to dallas <laughs> it was 100 miles from home i could go home on the weekends and my mom would do my laundry so this is before you're like 20 this is in, in your late teens yeah. you go to dallas i didn't go to college i went to dallas headshot and resume and tried to tried to work dallas man i got no sense of that time but that was like so it still had a, a profile. It had some money still, Dallas, at that time. In the 80s, yeah. they made a lot of movies yeah. and TV shows in Dallas. They were touting it as the third coast. They built right. this big goddamn soundstage out at Las Colinas. And every year, there was a Places in the Heart or a... Right. Uh, they right? must have they given a tax break. To Tender them. Mercies. Every year, oh, that yeah. kind of stuff was oh, rolling was a great movie, that is. Yeah, yeah. There were some great stuff happening there. So I went there, but, you know, I didn't work. I couldn't get arrested. I worked in the theater a little bit. Fringe theater in Dallas. Like, what? Do, really? Fringe theater in Dallas? Yeah. Like, Black Box Theater? Doing yeah. doing what? Doing Beckett? When You Coming Back, Red Rider. Uh, Mark Medoff. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, The Glass Menagerie at Mesquite Community Theater. Ooh. How was that production? <laughs> It's all right. Yeah. But you had no training at that time? No, you didn't, no, no, not You're any, just winging it? Pretty much. I mean, I'd done some... I had done a, a year... Uh, when I was a senior in high school, yeah. we could take classes at the college where right. my folks taught. So right. we did that, did some shows. Right. But yeah, pretty much winging it. So Dallas didn't... didn't no show business dreams didn't pan out in Dallas. No, and uh, a girlfriend of mine moved to Chicago. Oh. And I didn't take the cue, so I followed her up to Chicago. <laughs> That's always what... I'm sure it's what she wanted. I'm sure she was thrilled. Like, oh, Tracy. Strange we're no longer together. But I followed her up to Chicago. You're the guy that stalked her. I knew that guy. <laughs> That's what she'll be saying at the award show when she's watching on TV. That's that guy. Is that? Do you know her still? Uh, I know who she is, okay. but we don't keep in touch. Yeah. <laughs> Not since the restraining order. 
So I went to Chicago. I yeah. fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the theater yeah. scene in Chicago. I'd never seen anything like it. How did what, what, how did it start? Because like I just talked to Lori, like it's sort of been a mystery to me how Steppenwolf started. You know this mythic place of you know anger and, and creativity, and uh, you know and then like when I heard that you were kind of part of that, I'm like, well that makes sense. He's a furious man that writes dark things, and. Uh, but I never got the whole history that you know, that they were just kids. But you were later, a little later. I think, I'm later. Right? They're all all those kids are about ten years older than me. So when you get there, do you seek that out? Are you just like I'm in Chicago? Did, was it like do I go to Second City and watch the clowns, or do I go watch the serious shit? That's right. It's running around auditioning for different theaters. There's uh-huh. a great theater culture there. There's a great great life show. Oh culture. my yeah. god! Yeah, there's two hundred storefront yeah. theaters and they're all doing great interesting work and they're all doing it for the right reasons yeah. you know nobody's doing it to get famous so they're this all... the late 80s yeah uh-huh yeah. uh-huh vital still vital and the first show i did in chicago was uh the glass menagerie again again you already knew the line <laughs> same part <laughs> same part oh lucky you <laughs> and uh at steppenwolf i did it oh, at steppenwolf God. it was the part of their uh you know the shows for high school kids Oh, so you were like 19, 20? Like I was tw- uh, early 20s, yeah. So you, you went in for the young people auditions? or Pretty much. Uh-huh. Yeah. Crashed the young people auditions. And who was directing it? Anybody famous? Francis Guinan. Yeah. A very good actor who's uh, who was in August Osage County, the original cast. Uh-huh. He was directing it, and he cast me in the show. And, and that began your relationship with Steppenwolf? Yeah. Though, yeah. I mean, that was... 88 yeah and i they didn't add me to the company till 2002 so there was there's a long and they really made you work for it <laughs> about as long as they made anybody ever work for it yeah really yeah so what do you do so what how are you persisting then so you get cast at 20 in the uh, tennessee williams play at steppenwolf so you're you know you're like i'm in and then what happens <laughs> then i i'm not in <laughs> And so I have to go work other places. And I worked, uh, you know, again, Chicago is a great theater town. And I was meeting a lot of people, working up at uh, the next theater in Evanston, which is where I met Michael Shannon. Yeah. He was 16 and I was 25. Really? We became friends. Yeah. He was was that young? I can't remember. Like, he was very, uh, he was kind of intense and aggravated about things when I talked to him. I think he probably told me. That doesn't sound like mine. I know. It's crazy, right? (laughs) I was totally surprised by it. I thought he'd be chipper when he came over and full of focus. He's still a dear friend of mine. He's a lovely guy. I liked, I love talking to him. Yeah. And I just saw him in The Shape of Water. I thought he was great. He's always great. Yeah, he's always great. Yeah, yeah. And I saw him in your movie. I watched that because I talked to Friedkin in here. But we're not we're not there yet. Okay. I want to know. <laughs> Friedkin came in here and talked for two and a half hours. And he had... There, there was a theme to it. Like, oh yeah, no, there, he's there. Were there there like the, there there was a through line that you didn't realize <laughs> yeah. until the end of the conversation yeah. that he just laid it out. It was fate. Yeah, fate <laughs> was the through line. Billy can uh, Hurricane Billy. There's yeah. a reason they call him Hurricane <laughs> Billy. He's inevitable. Yeah, yeah. You just you just sit there and like, oh my god, and everything's connected with him. You yeah. know what I mean? There's a lot of connections. Yeah. Also a dear friend of mine, lovely man. I'm lovely not saying gentleman. anything bad about the guy. He's one of the best episodes. <laughs> I, is my tone coming out wrong? <laughs> these, these were I was these were impressive conversations. <laughs> Great. Good. I got a little concerned with Michael because I didn't know if he was going to fall into himself, and I wouldn't know how to fish him out. <laughs> but but I kept him out here. Well, I met him when he was 16, and I was 25. He played my son, even though there's nine years difference. In but what? I've always looked a little older. Uh, a couple of uh, one acts called Fun and Nobody by Howard Corder. Yeah. At the Next Lab Theater. 
And uh, and who was involved in that? Anybody who came out of that? Was that a, a theater company? The next was a company in Evanston for a long, long time. Yeah. And the next lab was the brainchild of a guy named Dexter Bullard, a great theater director in yeah. Chicago. It was basically a classroom that he painted black, yeah. seated about 40 people. Yeah. There was a lot of really good work that happened in that huh. space. Mike and I did uh, Fun and Nobody, and then that's where Killer Joe started. How did that, how did, how did that start? Like, uh, Well, I found myself with some downtime as an actor in Chicago, yeah. and I and wrote a 22? play. And you're 22? 26. 26? Yeah. So, so this is like years after The Glass Menagerie. Yeah, a few and years And you've been after. kicking around. Yeah. And you meet Shannon. And yeah. Kindred Spirits. This guy seems to have a chip on his shoulder. Me yeah. too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all that's true. <laughs> yeah, so I wrote this play, yeah. this kind of horror, uh, horror noir play, and uh, we put it up at uh, the next lab, forty yeah. seat house. Yeah, and it was uh, did really well. It did, did. Very well. Yeah, there was an intensity to it. That's oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, but what inspired that? I mean, why that story? Were you were you experimenting, or did, was it coming from like I always because like I. I thought about, like, I didn't, you remember the movie Joe with Peter Boyle? Sure. It's a horrifying movie. Yeah. Uh, but your, your thing, the, the layers of it, it's all, it's pretty relentless and, and pretty awful. Yeah. In a good way. You ever seen it in the theater? I have not. See, it's different. It's different. Well, I want to see it. To I can't wait. I didn't, was it out here? Did it I was, mean? yeah. It played out here. When? Oh, well, I don't know. A few years ago. Look, I saw Osage in New York with Estelle Parsons. Does that mean anything? It means a lot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that has nothing to do with whether or not you saw Killer see, Joe. I want to see a high school production of Killer Joe. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it had a certain intensity and... Was that the first play you wrote? Yeah. And and what... Now, you just you just sat down and did it from... You had done enough plays that you sort of knew what needed to be... You know, what you, you just winged it? I don't know. I had an idea for a story. I read a story in the newspaper. I was like, oh, this might make an interesting play. I wonder if you could tell a story like this... On stage, yeah. uh, you know, Chicago, we were known for mm, pushing kind of, the envelope, yeah, smash mouth, yeah. in your face, whatever the hell yeah. cliche right. you want to use. Sure, sure. We were known for that stuff. So it, it was written in that mold. Yeah. The, 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 the sort of Malkovich fury that, and that I was, hung over Chicago. I was uh, a troubled, angry person. What were you person? pissed off about? I, I have no, don't even, I, I can't even answer the question. Really? I don't know. Yeah. Because I thought you would be angrier, you know, like, and then like- you I, mean now? Why, but we get old. I, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm very old now. 52. Yeah. I'm 54. Yeah. And I was angrier young as I, when I was younger too. Sure. Like really bad. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. yelling at people. Isn't it silly? Yeah, it is silly in retrospect. Yeah. I, I was all worked up about a lot of yeah. things that don't matter anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I can track a lot of the anger, you know? But a lot of it, I don't, it, I don't know how, you know, valid it is or, what you know, if it's really, there's any way to empathize with my my entitled anger. Yeah. Do you find that you were angry about, like, real shit? I, 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 know? I, I don't know. I don't know. I was drunk. You know, I, I, I got <laughs> yeah. sober about three weeks after Killer Joe uh, premiered. Forever? Yeah. Really? So you were fucked up. Yeah. And you got, you did it the, the old school way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Still? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Me too. 18 years. 24 years. All right. See, there we go again. <laughs> you know, maybe that, maybe we did. We were on the same thing. Similar, similar track. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's got to jump on me on that one. 
<laughs> I had a little, little, a little more experimenting to do, as they say in the racket. <laughs> so, all right. So you got sober. Like, so, but, whoa, man, how how do you, like, it always amazes me when people, like, hit the wall in their 20s. Yeah. You just knew? You're like, oh, this can't yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, you know, hurting a lot of people, hurting myself. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Just got to a point where, it, I mean, thank God, you know. Yeah. I, uh, did you used to smoke, too? Hell yeah. Right? I, yeah. Yeah. You did it all. Marlboro Reds? <laughs> yeah, I smoked Marlboro Reds, yeah. among other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All out. Yeah, sure. And Chicago's a fucking meat and drinking town. Yes, it is. It's just like it's just like everywhere. You just walk down the street and there should be signs that say, cancer available here. Heart disease. Come on in. It's true. <laughs> End yeah. your life in here. Yeah. But I love that place. So I grew to like Chicago. Yeah, it's a great city. So you sobered up and then uh, how, how did that go? Did you, you know, did, did well, you adjust to it? It took a while, right? Yeah, it's a process. Yeah. A process I... I'm still in, right? And after yeah. some fashion, sure, uh, sure, sure. Uh, you, but, you, the obsession is no longer with you, right. but but whatever you were hiding, <laughs> whatever the, that thing is that makes you become that person to begin with, yeah, right? Still You're still there. that person. Yeah, so. it's awful, itchy, itchy soul, <laughs> <laughs> aggravated. So, so when do you, so what happens with Killer Joe? Well, uh, everybody in town panned it. Except for Richard Christensen in the Chicago Tribune, yeah. who championed it, so it became a big fat hit. Wow! And ran, I mean, you know, and you moved it to a bigger place. We didn't immediately move it to a bigger place. We ran there for about eight months, and then we raised the money to take the show to the Edinburgh Festival in Fringe Scotland. Fest? Yes. Oh, he did that. I did that once. I'll never do it again. We took it to the Traverse yeah. Theater, the yeah. Fringe Fest, and man, killed. Just, yeah. It just killed. And wow. from there, it went to the Bush Theater in London, which is a great pub theater huh. in London. And from there, it went to the West End and played in the West End for four months. Well, they must. They love American stuff, and that is so brutally fucking bloodily American. Yeah. It just, they must have been like, this is what it's like. They loved it. And the timing <laughs> of it there in the early 90s, mid 90s when it hit, the who, timing was really good. Who originated the role? Uh, in the original production, Michael Shannon, uh, Paul Dillon, uh -huh. a very fine actor, played uh, Killer Joe, Shauna Franks, Holly Wontuck, Mark Nelson. Yeah. And then we replaced Paul with a guy named Eric Winsenreed when we went to uh, to London. So that was it. That You were a big playwright. Boom. Out of the yeah, gate. Yeah, I, I was. I didn't kind of realize that until I went to London yeah. where the show was happening. I was like, oh, shit, this is kind of blown up a little bit over here <laughs> some, i guess some of the real deal you're I'm not even right. 30 and you're the real deal and there was uh we became friendly with a little theater company over there the gate theater in yeah. notting hill and yeah. they said will you write another one for us with your same group of people yeah so i wrote bug i wrote it with mike in mind yeah we again put together a similar kind of cast and the play actually premiered in london at the gate theater another mike. festering american play yeah <laughs> Written while sober, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, odd, you yeah. know, because that one, <laughs> they, or not? No, or I, not that odd. actually that actually makes sense, right? right. Yeah, just the, coming out of it. Yeah, when everything becomes clear, yeah. <laughs> I see it all now, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was continuing to work in theater in Chicago, and Steppenwolf came calling around this time, and they put me in a play called Picasso at the Le Panagiel by Steve Martin. Uh huh. Which was a big hit for us, and we brought it to Los Angeles. For Steppenwolf. Yeah. And ran at the, 
what is now the Geffen Playhouse. Ran there for a year. So, but they, they didn't let you in the company yet. You got two hit plays. You're an established playwright. You're like 30 years old. You're sober. And they're like, you want to do a part in the clown's play? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And who was running fucking Steppenwolf at that time? And I'm not trying to bait you into getting uh, retroactively aggravated for them making you wait. <laughs> I'm not actually aggravated about yeah, it. I know. Or Why would you be? I might have been then, but I don't recall it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. See, that's age. That's age helping you out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not cursed with these things you people call memories. <laughs> yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> it's fun when they leave. I don't, I've lived in several different cities. When people walk up to me, they're like, hey, Mark. I'm like, what time frame? Which city? Give me an era, if you could. And did I do anything bad? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What did I do to you? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's always a good question. So, all right, so you do the Picasso play. Is that a good play? That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. You were a fun guy now that you're sober? I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was a good gig. I yeah. got to, you know, join the union. I went equity oh, with Oh, you that came show. out here. Came out here and joined the union and had my first real experience in Los Angeles. What happened uh, that time? Not much. No? No. Did not you much. Did you go, do you have a, did you get an agent out here or any of yeah, that Yeah, you know, I went and I, I did a home improvement. <laughs> See, now, there's, there's the question. Now, what happened that day? Like, here you are... West End, you right. know, two plays, Steppenwolf, you're a respected literary man. <laughs> and you're like, you go meet an agent. And they're like, hey, you know, we, we got a thing where we can send you out on the thing. Let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Go in on Home Improvement. Yeah. And you're like, oh. <laughs> and I did it. it of course fun. you did it. it yeah. was, oh, is that how we're going to, that's how. We're... No, it was, it was totally, I mean, it was, uh, it was a nice little part. Yeah. And Tim Allen was a sweetheart. Yeah. He was a real sweetheart to yeah. all the people yeah. on the show. It so was a big show. It was uh sweet paycheck for me i'd never made a paycheck like that before. see that's it right that's the thing yeah how well, you did uh what you had a how many a full character arc or just a, a i had episode? one nice scene i had one nice uh scene playing a kind of eccentric character with his wife uh-huh with, uh i can't remember her name and that got you into the union and you know everything yeah all that kind of stuff and did you did it wet your whistle were you like i'm coming out here I'm going to do more episodic television. Uh, I didn't really think of it like that, though that's exactly what happened. Uh-huh. Uh, I moved, uh, I went back to Chicago yeah. and did some more plays in Chicago. And then me and my girlfriend in Chicago moved out here yeah. in 97, in the fall of 97. And I did four years in Los Angeles from 97 to 2001. So you did a few plays acting in Chicago. You move out with your girlfriend who did not become your wife. or no, She not... passed away. Oh, sorry. It's all right. She passed away about four months after we moved out here. Oh, my God. Yeah. What happened? Uh, she had a congenital heart condition. She had a stroke. 32 years old. We were both 32. That's horrible. Yes, it was. It is. And Coming up on the 20-year anniversary of that, I'm very conscious of that really? anniversary. Yeah. Of her death? Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, my God. So you had to deal with that. Yeah. And I stayed. I don't, I, you know, I stayed in Los Angeles. I, I came out of here. We we lived out here for four months. Yeah. She died. And then I, I don't know, I just didn't, like, going back to Chicago didn't make sense to me. So but I stayed. Did you have friends out here? Yeah. I oh. had quite a few friends from Chicago who had moved out here. Oh, okay. Yeah, because like this can be a very lonely, isolating place. It's yeah, lonely and isolating without... even when you have friends out here. Yeah. <laughs> so you're dealing with this shock and grief and yeah. like, you know, mortality thing? Yeah. Oh my God. 
So I come out here and I did, you know, more of that stuff. I did a Seinfeld episode. I'm in the Festivus episode yeah. of Seinfeld, right? right. I did, uh, I did, uh, Profiler. Yeah. I did, you know, yeah. the, the district. So you're working. Yeah. You're getting little parts. You're getting little parts, doing little guest spots. And like, are, who are your friends? Are they, do, were you surrounded by successful people? When you were out here, like I was surrounded by really talented people, some of whom were working, some not, but no, not no no names that are going to make you go, wow. I mean, Mike was starting to starting to work quite a bit as an actor, though. Certainly, I don't think people would have recognized him right down the street. It's so like to me, like to, to, you know, there's something impressive yet heartbreaking about the, you know, the, the evolution of it. You know, you, you both ended up great. You know, but to think of like, you know, like you and Michael Shannon, people who, who do very, you know, specific and, and, and amazing work, uh, you know, kind of like hitting the fucking, you know, the, 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 the streets to, to go do little bit parts. I'm glad you made it out. I'm glad you got, I'm glad you got to where you got. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, Nick Offerman too. Uh, I mentioned him only because he's yeah. been on your show. Yeah. Nick, uh, you know, that little production we did of Killer Joe in the next lab, Nick built the set. <laughs> he likes to build things, man. <laughs> Nick built the trailer. He's got a whole shop out here. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, he makes no, he's a very talented guy. Yeah, but... he makes he likes making furniture. I think that's what he does now. Almost. I don't know if he's I think he's, <laughs> he's kind out of, of the business. I, I think it might be. He might be just making furniture. And I, I tell you, Tracy, when I hear stories like that, I'm like, Good for you. <laughs> yeah, no shit. You got out <laughs> without the shame and you're okay with yourself. You got out and you don't you're not you don't you don't consider yourself a failure. Congratulations. <laughs> you did it. You did it. That's how I feel sometimes. So well th- so what broke you out here? I mean what because you know this is this is a four year period of time in between, you know, writing two great plays, and then you do a, a Seinfeld, a profiler, a, a home improvement, you experience a horrendous loss. And uh, what was it the the what made you go write a Pulitzer Prize winning play? How- <laughs> well, a couple of different things. I I got in another relationship that went south. Uh, you know, which is not. You didn't surprising. drink either, did you? I didn't drink. That see, that's what <laughs> we forgot. That part that must have helped you get through. I didn't drink, uh, so I got in a relationship that also went south. And at the same time, I was just finding that those gigs I was doing they weren't exactly feeding. <laughs> they weren't feeding the soul. Mm, imagine. Uh, <laughs> I had some buddy. There was a show they made out here. You might recall it called VIP with Pamela Anderson. Huh. I kind of recall. Kind I don't know what it was. Follow up to Baywatch. Yeah. Was, I don't know. Pamela Anderson was a spy or yeah. assassin or some right. shit. Right. And this thing was very popular, uh, not in this country. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. popular elsewhere. Out, it, probably everywhere else. <laughs> so the residuals were great. Yeah. If you got a V, I had buddies who, if they booked a VIP, it's like that thing paid off like a slot machine. And you were on it? I was not. I had a couple of buddies who booked it. Yeah. And I got jealous of them. Yeah. And that was the that was the moment where I went, "Oh fuck." <laughs> VIP. Yeah. It was never supposed to be about this. Right. So when they when you heard they got it, you're like, "Fuck, man." Yeah. <laughs> How'd you get that? Yeah. And you're like, "What's happened?" Yeah. Yeah. I have to go write a Pulitzer with prize winning play. So I got in my car <laughs> and I drove back to Chicago. Yeah. First play I did when I got back was a, a revival of Glengarry Glen Ross. It's oh, that's great. And it was a great which play. Car, which guy did you play? 
played Williamson, who runs The Office. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spacey oh, plays him in yeah, the movie. Yeah, right, right. Which I've never seen. Pasquese, you know Pasquese, yeah, you guys. He played Ricky Roma. It was a great production. Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of my re-entry into Chicago, 2001. And were they all happy you were back? Yeah. Like, that's the great thing about those, uh, like, about cities like Austin and Chicago. When people come back battered from L.A. or Nashville, they're like, come on. Yeah. Have a seat. <laughs> Welcome to the club. That's exactly right. Welcome yeah. home. And in fact, a lot of my friends were like, why did you come back? Seemed like you were doing pretty good out there. Like, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> VIP. Could <laughs> tell you the story, the VIP story. <laughs> so Steppenwolf asked me to join the company. Oh. A lot of their people had left, right? A lot uh, of that original group. They had all left for Los Angeles and New York. They'd did they all... set it up like that? Is that how they offered you the job? Hey, we're out of guys. They and... kind of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they because it came with a came with a condition. Yeah. Uh, when they added me, they said we want you to stay in town. Uh huh. And I said, okay, I'm not looking to leave. Oh, that's great. So they said, stay here in Chicago and we'll put you in the company. I said, great. What does it mean to be in the company? Does that mean that they will give you work? consistently yeah basically like you yeah. know we're gonna find plays for you to do and yeah. keep you eating and you if know, you commit to staying here you'll you'll be as involved as you want to be right? and who was running it then martha levy uh-huh the and, late martha levy passed uh -huh. away uh and this last year oh uh was this after they moved to the bigger space obviously yeah now did you ever start a theater troupe were you did you ever start a group yeah i started a couple of groups what uh, were they small short-lived uh a little a company called point theater yeah. company in chicago and also a, a little improv group i didn't start it i was part of an improv group there called bang bang with michael shannon and uh paul dylan and uh, uh a lot of other people yeah other chicago people yeah. was it i think that it wasn't amy uh pates in that amy amy pates pates yeah yeah yeah, she was uh, on an episode of my show. She did a lot of work out here. She did. Yeah, she's yeah, very she, good. Yeah, she did an episode of Marin. However, she's great. Yeah, she is. All right, so those didn't stick, obviously. You did, right. the, but it was an improv. So what kind of improv? Like comedy improv? We were, well, I suppose, yeah, though we were all people from the theater. We were trying to bring some of our theater stuff into the world of improvisation. But not, well, not like Second City. Oh, really? Yeah. So you were, like, you, improvs would be derailed with crying and... Violence? I... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's a pretty good description. Uh, That's how we're going to do comedy. I, I can say that uh, so, uh, certainly some of the worst and some of the best things I've ever seen in a theater took place uh, while doing what well, But improv is pretty freeing, though. It's got to be helpful. I mean, you're learning how to act during through all this, too. You're winging it. Yeah. You weren't ever given any real guidance, were right, you? Right. And then when I went back in 2001, Dave and TJ started up. You know, David Pasquese and T.J. Jagodowski, they started yeah. their two-man improv show. Uh-huh. Some of the best improv I've ever seen, the best improv I've ever seen in my life. And then occasionally they would ask me to come and sit in with them, and it was yeah. great. For an improv jam? Yeah, for uh, one of, they'd just get bored. Right. They'd be like, we're bored, can you come and- uh, You like you know, improv -ing. I love it with those guys because they're so fucking good. Yeah. It's like, you can't fuck it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I could only fuck it up so bad. Right. But the, but the, it may, it amazes me sort of like uh, like because when I talked to Lori about Steppenwolf, none of them had any. There was no guru on you, you know like like all those improvisers in in Chicago had Del Close around, right? Right. But like with Steppenwolf, and it seems with you that you know you sort of found your way into the acting gig. 
Yeah. It wasn't like there was no guru, there was no Buddha, there was no, this is how you do it. Right. That's yeah. kind of fascinating. That's Doesn't right. Does it fascinate you, or do you think he cheated? Cheated? No, oh, I, I mean, the, <laughs> no, in the sense that, like, you know, there's a real racket in, in training. You, you know what I mean? That, right. That, that usually, whether it's a teacher or somebody that, you, you know, gave you some tips. Oh, I think training probably would have given me so many shortcuts that yeah. I had to take the long way around to figure out, you know. I yeah. don't knock training just right. because I didn't have it. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, no, there was no guru necessarily. Right. I mean, what there was, there were a lot of great actors around me. And right. we were all challenging each other. Right. You know, everybody was challenging each other to, to up your game. And yes. That, that's, that was true of Chicago then. It's true of Chicago now. It's the second time I've heard it. You know, it's like that. That's what that's what it was. Yeah. It's like, what do you got? Yeah. Let's go. That's right. And sorry. Right, so now you're a member of Steppenwolf. I knew Dell, by the way. I did. He stepped into Picasso at the Le Panagiel for a while. I got a chance to do the show with Dell for a while. Yeah. Pick his brain about, you know, some of the you old learn? stories Anything? and stuff. No, he was just a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have no, no sense of him. I, I Like, I had to learn about that whole scene. Like, I come from the stand-up uh, history. So, like, through this show and through, you know, because like, there's been a big shift in, in comedy and show business, uh, you know, out of stand-up centric shows to, to sort of like, you know, sketch performers and Chicago kind of, uh, you know, overtook New York in terms of its importance in modern comedy history. Interesting. Well, it was always sort of there, you know, with SNL and the Lampoon people, but right. whatever. But I didn't know much about it. And this Del Close, he was a real Buddha, that guy. Yeah, he really was. So you're in Steppenwolf now. So you're doing, you're working, you're in Chicago. And so now, not as drinking. A, as a playwright, I'd had two shows. Yeah. And I wrote a third show, Man from Nebraska, it was called. And so suddenly I had a little bigger. Uh, what was that one about? I don't know that play. Man from Nebraska is a play about a middle aged guy from Nebraska who wakes up. Uh, he's an insurance salesman, kind of a boring guy who wakes yeah. up in the middle of the night and realizes he doesn't believe in God and starts a kind of. Uh, leaves home and yeah. looks for himself a little bit. That's what it was about. And uh, it was 2003, and it was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. Wow. They tell you that, huh? Yeah. They, you know what? They don't tell you before yeah. you lose it. Right. They call you, and they say, congratulations, you lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was close, man. Yeah. It was close. I didn't even know I was yeah, a yeah, yeah. Who won that year? <laughs> uh, uh, I know this. Uh, I am my own wife. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who wrote that? Doug Wright. Uh-huh. Very gifted playwright from Dallas, Texas. Wow. Yeah. So you were like, ah, I should have stayed in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have left Dallas. <laughs> and then, uh, so I was doing two or three shows a year in Chicago. Acting. I mean, you know, Mark, when I left Los Angeles and went back to Chicago, I really took a, a vow of poverty, right? I knew what I had left in Chicago. I, you can't make any money in Chicago. Yeah. And so I knew I was going back to act in the theater. I knew yeah. I was giving up on, you know, the, that big VIP money. Mm -hmm. but uh, And that stature. Uh, but <laughs> as just like uh, I was so much happier. I had been so much happier in Chicago doing plays oh, this, than I was this, out in Los Angeles. Uh, yes, this is a soul-crushing dump for just a fucking <laughs> soul-crushing spiritual garbage hole. <laughs> this is what he... Anyone well, that's one way to to say it. Look, if you, if you don't have to stay here. Jesus, get out! So just filled with people, with people rationalizing. That why family with where all the kids are chained up is that near here? It's right across the street. Didn't you see that house? 
I knew those kids. I knew there was something wrong. It's weird. You know what I mean? Did you read that the the pets were really well fed? Ugh, All the dogs were really well fed. Yeah, I, I think it's time for a new play. <laughs> you got it. That's too upsetting. <laughs> That's too upsetting. <laughs> Have you seen Killer Joe? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and then I wrote August Osage County, and then it, which changed my life. Which was now when you're doing that, writing that great play, like because to me, like you know, I felt the presence of you know O'Neill, Tennessee Williams, Sam Shepard a little bit in the sense of like you know what you were embarking on, classic family tragedy, really, right? Yeah. Now, like, who were your your models? Did you just it must have taken a certain amount of time and structure and decision making and running bits and pieces? What's the process of writing a, a, a Pulitzer Prize winning? play like that it's long slow process did i name any of your heroes you, na- you named them all i oh. mean they, they are all my heroes uh uh you know it's based on a true story my grandfather committed suicide by drowning when i was 10 years old yeah my grandmother descended into years of downer addiction yeah you know put my mother especially but my whole family through hell so it's based very much on that you know, something that had stuck with me for 30 years, right? I yeah. mean, your grandfather drowns himself. Did you and, know him? Yeah, oh. I knew him. Oh. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, when I first started writing it, I, I called my dad to ask him some, some details. Of, I just had forgotten a lot of the stuff. You know, I was yeah. 10 years old. Right. And I, he, he was very helpful with all that. And then he said, why are you writing about this? Yeah. And I said, well, I, it seems like the stuff of drama and... Uh, the events from that time have haunted me for 30 years. And he said, they have? <laughs> <laughs> Never occurred to her. Well, yeah, but it's wild, right? When your grandfather ends his own life and you know that at 10, it's, yeah. that's got to, you know, that's a big hole. Well, one of the things that happens in August of yeah. County, right, is parents take their eye off the ball. Yeah, right. You know, my my folks were, they were great parents. I right. loved my folks. We were yeah. very close. Yeah. But that was a time when, you know, circumstances <laughs> being what they are, uh, they probably took their eye off the ball. Uh, parenting? Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say they took their eye off the ball. You, you got to walk a kid through that. Why, why Grandpa <laughs> yeah. killed himself? Yeah, I mean just the just the the mental images of my grandfather underwater. You know, it was so it's such a lonely Ugh. way to die. You know, just floating there. Yeah, in the middle of the night, takes a boat out in the middle of the night and jumps into the middle of the fucking lake in the middle of the night. And but with no weights on him or nothing. Yeah, uh, yeah, just chooses not to swim. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. That's commitment. Yeah. And now, is the emotional elements and relationship dynamics, are they sort of true to life from that play? So, you know, some of it's created, some of it's borrowed, some of it's mm-hmm. from, from real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, the process of putting all that together is long, slow, painstaking, kind of boring, actually. I mean, boring to describe. Uh, but did you have a sense of, like, you obviously had a sense of structure. Sure. From doing plays. Sure. You know, like, you know, act breaks. And, yeah. you know, this was, and you knew you were writing a big three act thing. Yeah. Like, you know, with a lot of heaviness. Well, I had the story. Yeah. And then the question becomes, what's the right container for that story? Yeah. It's like, oh, the big American family drama is the right container for that story. Right. Going was, back to O'Neill and, yeah. and Tennessee Williams. Yeah. And, yeah buried child kind of all that stuff 
Yeah, the dad stuff. All yeah. that stuff. And, but, you know, there are little reflections of those plays throughout August Osage County and other stuff, too. You right. Know, that's all intentional. I, I hope it is. Somebody told me once I had... Uh, Stolen something from the Little Foxes by yeah. Lillian Hellman. I had never even read the Little Foxes. It's funny but... how people are just like you know, you know the the talentless scavenge for reasons to attack people with talent. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, like, well, it's what they do. <laughs> yeah, I I heard someone use that word. You think you're so smart? It's like, what do you do? Don't worry about me. I. I, I, I <laughs> I did a thing once. <laughs> so, well, that's a, like, cause it was a, it was a mind blowing thing. I didn't, I didn't really feel like it was, um, y- y- you know, hacking off anybody else. I <laughs> thought it was its own thing and in that it was this horrible family drama, but I, I could feel that arc the way that, you know, that the way it ends with what is it? Just, just two characters yeah. after you just subtract people. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> One way or the other, people yeah. are subtracted. Right. <laughs> that there's that weird emotional desolation, you know, that, that it, it ends with a indigenous person, right? Yeah. 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 That's the, that's where it ends. <laughs> yeah. Look, look what you did. You came and went. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, with, with Shepard in the movie, you wrote the script for the movie? I did. Did you have anything to do with casting? No. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, I mean, wh- you know, were you on set? I was there for the table read. I was there for the first day. Did you talk to Sam? Up. Had you talked to Sam before? I had never talked to Sam before. It was the only day I ever spent with Sam. And I have to say that at the table read, he was the only one I was nervous about. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because your dad had played it. Yeah. And I wasn't, I just nervous to be around him. I mean, I wasn't starstruck by Merrill or, you know, right, Mr. Sure. Clooney or. Uh, well, you've been through some shit by now, you know. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But Sam, I was, Sam could have hurt me. <laughs> right. Yeah. If Sam had said the wrong thing at the wrong moment. He would have hurt me. And uh, he didn't do that. In fact, in the moment that he might have done that, he actually did the right thing and said some really lovely, gracious things about my piece in front of everybody. I was like, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget him for that. He could have hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. By not saying anything. Sure. I mean, that would have hurt in a way. There's but... a lot of projection could have happened. You, right. you were just a vulnerable white. You, no matter what you could have done to defend yourself, there was nothing you could have done. It was, you just, yeah, and it worked out. Right. Oh, thank God. Yeah. I had a hard time going through that story just now. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all choked up that it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. So he liked the piece. He did like the piece. Yeah, he yeah. liked it a lot. He got kind of sparse later in terms of his writing. Yeah, I know. And when he died, you look at the list and it's like, it's over 50 plays. So many. I've written nine. What's what's holding you up? It's hard. <laughs> it's fucking hard. <laughs> and, you, and acting is easier. Well, sometimes, oftentimes. Have Unless you... you're doing something really hard, yes, acting's easy. But the, I thought the film was good. I thought they did a good job with it. Who directed that? John Wells. Did you like it? It was complicated. Mm. It was complicated. But it I wasn't mean, a disaster. No, it wasn't a disaster. It's always and I'm be glad difficult. it's out there. I, I'm glad it's out there. But I had, a, I had a hard time with the producers. I had a hard time with Harvey. Uh, oh, you worked with him? Well, I, I wouldn't call it that. Yeah. But yeah, we... we he was on the project. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what uh, what it would be like to, to have a play become a movie. Uh, it shouldn't fun. happen. It really shouldn't happen. Well, then why'd you let Friedkin do two of them? 
Well, I, you know, I'll tell you why. Because I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma, and I I didn't have access to Streetcar Named Desire, yeah, and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf or Shakespeare, right? My access to that shit was through the movies, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to see that stuff, yeah. And so, you know, there's some kid in southeastern Oklahoma right now who's you know home watching Killer Joe, yeah, and it speaks to him, right? That's true. Uh, and and Bug in August Osage yeah. County. They 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 can't afford to go to New York and pay a hundred dollars for a theater ticket to see it on Broadway. So, or, or, or wait for it even to come locally. That's right. And yeah, Killer Joe and Bug are not playing locally. Yeah. in southeastern Oklahoma. And so, like you know, no one's doing them in high school. So that's why. Yeah. I've always felt like you know they're they're. It's not the same experience. Right. When I say it's complicated, that for me is really the the. Right. That's the that's why it's complicated because I don't think films uh, should be do. made out of plays or they can't, they can't do what theater does. No. But but I thought that Friedkin knew that. I think he respected it. You know, and I think he tried to do something. They're they're William Friedkin movies. Yeah. You know, which is great. I'm thrilled that there are a couple of William Friedkin movies that are based on play. my plays. Yeah. I'm thrilled right. about that. They're not the play. They're well, yeah, it's all these movies. Yeah, and they, it, like Altman tried to do that. He tried to do it in a way that would honor the theater, and it never quite works. It doesn't work. Yeah. The experience is different. In yeah. the theater, you have to lean forward in your seat. You have to pay attention. You have to tune your ear. Yeah, and you know, shit, shit might happen. You've done get... studies recently that show that audiences... Uh, Hearts are actually syncing up during live plays. Really? Is that <laughs> yes, true? Yes, that's true. That's a, that's an actual thing. Huh. Uh, there's something about the group experience watching a play that's very different than watching. A, there's a reason you can watch a movie in your basement or your, you know, you, there's a reason you can eat popcorn and watch a movie. You can't sure. eat popcorn and watch a play. No, because everyone would be, be mad at you. Well. <laughs> It also just requires a certain investment on the. Part yeah, of the I, I'm. I'm. I'm fascinated. I don't go to enough, but when I do, I'm always like in, uh, immediately emotionally all jangled. Yeah. Because like the the whole space of it, they can see people spitting and feel them breathing and hear the feet dragging on the boards. Isn't and like, it fantastic? Yeah, it's fantastic. It's great, and it, it it's like it it shouldn't be. Uh, it should be required. Not like you know, like, oh, is there is is it good? Is it a good production? Of that, yeah. <laughs> yes. Who, who's in it? Oh, I haven't seen him in twenty years right. from TV. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but so what? So you're working on a play? What are you working on writing one right now? Yeah, I've had three plays come out in the last two years. What are you yelling at me for? I I, I didn't know that. I'm not yelling. I got a microphone. It's my mistake. It's my mistake. You've had three plays come out in the last three years. New ones. Yeah. And I missed them. Well, they haven't been in New York. They've only been in Chicago, where I still live and where I'm still a member of Steppenwolf Theater. So are they are they done? Are you workshopping? Are they you they're know, done? They're they going were, had full productions. Uh, the first of those three is called Mary Page Marlowe. Yeah. And it is going to be at the Second Stage Theater in New York this summer. Oh, good. The second of those plays is called Linda Vista, and I think it's going to be here in Los Angeles in yeah. about a year. Yeah. The third of those plays is called The Minutes, and we're trying to get it to Broadway. We're not there yet, but we're trying. So, like, that's amazing. So you're 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 a playwright. You're you're you keep going. I've been a playwright for a long time, man. 
I know that, dude, but I see you in movies. You're funny. You're doing the thing. You know, you're well, doing here's some comedy. Happened, you're doing some serious. You're mixing it up, becoming so, an American character actor. Now we have to get back to the timeline. So August Osage County happens. And then I wrote Superior Donuts, which was also on. I auditioned for that uh, TV Broadway. show. Yeah. Did you audition for the TV show? Yeah, I didn't quite. I turned it down. Oh, you turned it down. Yeah. They get, they wanted me to read for Judd's part, and I'm like, I'm too young to be this guy. Huh. It's a, and it's like it doesn't seem like a role for me, you know. Like I want to be the cranky Jewish bigot, <laughs> you know. I don't have anything to do with the TV. I show. know, I know, I know. So the, the, I'm sure the play was better. Uh, like, play is different. Okay, <laughs> diplomatic, very diplomatic. Okay, go ahead. So superior so, donors, and then uh, and then I acted in a, a production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. At Steppenwolf, that went to Broadway. It probably doesn't go to Broadway without August Osage County, but because of August, I don't know. There was some interesting. God, you, and you, you, you must have killed in that part. So I did that. It's a great part. It's a great part, and it was a terrific George, production right? play. Yeah, and you won the Tony, right? I did. That's great. And then from that's that's why I started doing all this film and TV. Alex Gonzo, who created Homeland, saw me on Broadway. He asked me to do Homeland. Yeah. That's a, that a, was good though. You probably that had a little meat to it, didn't it? I did a couple of seasons of Homeland. Yeah, and that's kind of led to all this other shit I've been doing. Yeah, but you like it. I'm having a time of my life. It's fantastic. I, you're talking about a guy who couldn't get on VIP. It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. It no, all comes pretty... around. <laughs> it's fantastic. I, but I quit acting on stage. That's why I've had time to write plays and be in movies and TV shows because. I, I've acted on stage eight shows a week, three shows a year for thirty fucking years. You know, so yeah. so you you don't do it anymore. It's constant. I, st- I haven't done it in about four years because of the time commitment, or just because it's too exhausting, or what? It's too hard. It's yeah. too yeah. It's hard and yeah. exhausting, and yeah. just beats you up. And- yeah, it's so interesting to me that like because you have like you're in a lot of stuff right now. I just watched a season opener of Divorce. You were very funny in that show Thank last you. season. This season, that was funny. Funny is a funny character. I remember you in the Elvis movie. That was sort of an interesting movie, and you were not kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then... don't knock yourself out. No, 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 no. Because it's one of those movies where it's like, is this a comedy? What are we doing here? Mike called me and asked me to come down and do that thing. No, really. I like the movie. Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't call it a comedic part for, you know, there's beats to it. Do you know what I mean? I thought you were great in it, but the movie's one of those in-between movies, right? Kind of? I mean, it is a comedy in a way. Yeah. But and then uh, The Post is not, that's not a comedic part. That was a great part. Serious. Like, I'm just, what I'm what I'm doing for my audience, <laughs> Tracy, yes. is, is establishing you as a character actor I see. with a lot of range. I see. You've done it. You're I'm doing not, an excellent job. I'm not, I'm not belittling you. <laughs> It's clear this is not your first time in the garage. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but uh, And The Lovers, I like that movie, too. Thanks. I, 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 he's an interesting director, and that was a, an interesting movie. I loved it. I had yeah, a great you time. had a good time, right? I had a great time. And uh, I've were... been having a great time doing all of this. Oh, and and Christine, too. I saw that Christine, movie. I don't think anyone saw that movie. Nobody you know saw what? it. Great movie. Because it's devastating. It is devastating. It's really good. It was like I watched it on a plane, and I and I wanted to. I wanted out. Yeah, I wanted off the plane. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough film, but really good. And that was a serious role. That yeah. wasn't a fuck around role. Yeah, she's a good actress. She's a great actress. 
Interesting movie, but there is no way that you know, where, where, I was able to put yourself through that that movie. <laughs> Rough. We used to put ourselves through that movie all the time. Yeah, it was fun. We liked it. You remember sure. the seventies? Sure. You were alive. Kinda. I was young. But yeah, that's true. That's true. That's Did your true. folks take you to those tough movies? Of course. When you were of a kid? course. My grandparents took 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 me to Deliverance. Way too young. Ah. I don't know why. Nice. See, my folks took me to Serpico. I think I was six. Oh uh, man. <laughs> oh man. They, they the only movie they ever took me out of was Taxi Driver, and it's because we were I was ten, yeah. and we were in a drive-in, yeah. and the folks started to get uncomfortable. Oh my god! You know, when Jodie Foster showed up, it's like we need to go. Yeah, <laughs> I remember there's a couple movies there. Like I just remembered another one that nobody saw that I saw too much of was a movie called Prime Cut. It was like a Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman, movie. Lee yeah. Marvin, yeah. Sissy Spacek. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember when I, when I was a kid, when the, 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 they brought the package of sausages over <laughs> and said that was so and so. And I was like, that right? stuck with and me. And the, and the, the naked women in the, in the pens. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, they were like, yeah. on a, fa- like in a, yeah, fa- in a stock, stockade. Yeah, it was a crazy movie. I don't even tough, know what, film. I don't even remember what it was about. Well, it's about Lee Marvin. He's a gangster. But is it competing slaughterhouses or something weird? (laughs) Like the meat business? I don't... It was about America, baby. Yeah, That's what it was about. It all comes back to that. (laughs) This is where Killer Joe comes from. Prime cut. I didn't think anyone remembered that movie. Oh, sure. When was the last time you saw that movie? Not that long ago. Really? Yeah. Why? I think I showed it to my wife. I think she hadn't seen it. I was like, oh, you got to see this. <laughs> oh, my God. I own it. I own a copy of you Prime You do? Cut. Oh, yeah. I got to watch it again. <laughs> you own a copy on, yeah. on what, Blu-ray? They didn't put that on Blu-ray. Yeah, but, or something? Yeah, something. VHS? Something. It's on a disc, maybe? <laughs> you digitized it? That's how much you like that movie? I had a Betamax tape, and I didn't want to lose it. <laughs> so, but... But the I get and and also in uh, obviously Ladybird, which is I think probably why you're here on some level. <laughs> this is part of that junket. I thought you said you've been trying to get me on here I for have. years. I have, and now you say that I'm on here. Why are you here? Lady why Bird. are you in Los Angeles? Wait, why? You know, I'm what here for the SAG Awards tomorrow night. For what? Best ensemble for well, Ladybird. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> are you yelling at me again? I've been trying. What, you want me to come to Chicago? <laughs> sit at a sausage place and great, talk to you. Great city. I'd love it. I've been going there a lot. I, I, it, it, it was a, like, I didn't know Chicago until the last few years, and now I've gone there a lot. I've taped a... Because you made Easy there. Yeah, a little before that, too. I taped a, a comedy special there at the at the Virgil. Is that it? The Vir, uh, the Vic? The Vic. Yeah, the Vic. Yeah. I've been going, but yeah, I taped Easy. Yeah. Easy, yeah. And now, you know, I got to know it a little bit. You were bit. great in that thing, too. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I like doing that. The improv thing. I... I uh that first season, I haven't seen the second season. That first yeah. season of Easy did such a nice job of capturing our city. I feel he like. loves it, Swanberg. Do you yeah. know him? I don't know him. I know who he is. You should reach I, out I, to I him. I know him personally. He's a good guy. You should do uh, one of his movies. He just he just gets a guy and he'll follow you around with a camera, <laughs> and you wouldn't even know you're making a movie. And then he'll call you a couple. Hours. I, I don't know that I want that to happen. <laughs> it's time. It's time. So when. But the range that you exhibit is 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 sort of fascinating to me because in in Ladybird, you're you're sort of the the the, guy, the good guy. Yeah, you're the you know what I mean. And and you and Lori, like because I asked her about it and she it was the first time you worked together and you've known each other forever. Yeah. So you know it must have been uh, amazing. 
That was great fun. To work with her. I've been really lucky and that some really good stuff has come my way. Greta sent me the script out of the blue and asked me to do this thing. She had, uh, we did a movie together yeah. called Wiener Dog, a Todd Salon's movie. Right, I, it, was, it was the one I didn't see. And we're in different vignettes, so we yeah. didn't work together on the film. I met her at the premiere at Sundance. Yeah. And at the party, which was a terrible party, Yeah. Uh, uh, my wife and I chatted with Greta for 15 or 20 minutes, and that's when she realized I was an old softy. That's that's why she sent me the script. She's like, yeah. "Oh, you're an old. I didn't. I thought you were a hard ass from TV. You're an old softy." So she called and asked me to do that thing. It was just, and that's, man, I would sign up for that gig every day. Are you kidding? To yeah. to, to have Greta and Lori and Sersha running the show, and I'm just sitting in the next room reading the newspaper. I'm happy. That's the way it should be. <laughs> what do you, now? When you so. I, I love the movie, and I and I liked all you you people that were in it. Thanks. Um, Though we're going to lose that award tomorrow night. Why? I think three billboards is going to win it. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's interesting. What what does an ensemble mean? How how often do you all have to be engaging together? I don't know. Yeah, like I, I, three billboards is an interesting movie. It's it's an it's a it's a bit of an abstraction. Yeah, where your movie is not. Yeah, so I don't know. I wonder. Are you worried about it? Uh, not really. No. <laughs> what uh, What was I going to say? Now, as an actor, what do you find? Give me some pointers. Why do you look shocked? I mean, like, what, how? What is your craft based on? Do you just show up and you make choices based on the script? Yeah, and that's it. I put on the clothes <laughs> and, and I pretend to be the guy. And I don't know how to do it any other way. <laughs> and then occasionally you go like, "Is am I doing the guy right? <laughs> yeah. Is this the guy? Yeah. Or occasionally they come up and they go, that's not quite the guy. I say, you tell me what it is. Yeah, because you just tell me and I... Be a little more aggravated. I was doing an episode of Homeland and Carrie, my wife, was visiting the set. Yeah. And she... I said, I'm glad you're here because I want to experiment. Because I hadn't worked on camera that much. Yeah. A little PC things over the years. And I said, I want to try an experiment. I said, do me a favor and watch me on the monitor. Yeah. And so I, I did a take where I, you know, acted. Yeah. And then the next take, I intentionally didn't do any. I was just like sucked all the feeling out of my body. Just like this person without salt yeah, in yeah. their body. Yeah. And did the scene. <laughs> And uh, when it was over, I said, which was better? And she said, oh, the second one was better. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, there's the lesson. <laughs> Don't do anything. So what is it like being married to uh, an, another actor? Fantastic. How long has that been? Four, four plus years. Oh. Wow. And you appreciate each other's work. Yeah. And like, do you, do you, have you worked together a lot? Uh, we did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf together. She played your wife? No. She played the younger... The, yes. Uh-huh. And uh, I did an adaptation of Three Sisters, mm. Chekhov's Three Sisters. She did that. And she was in my play Mary Page Marlowe last year. And then we just did The Post. So yeah. we've worked together a few times. How is it being on the Spielberg set? Scary. Yeah. I was scared. Yeah. Yeah? Intimidating. Yeah. yeah. Things move fast, right? There's Meryl and there's Tom and there's, you know, Steven behind the camera. Yeah. You know... Yeah. And like, I, you know, I make a Jaws joke, and I was like, "Shit, Jesus!" I, you know, I was ten when Jaws came out. You know, that's life changer. You know, yeah. It's like shit. I grew up watching these movies. That's right. We're about the same age. I think that Jaws, you know, had a, a fairly traumatic effect on me. 
yeah. fucked me up forever. Right. I can't swim at night. You know, sh- sharks don't actually want to eat you. It's yeah, taken not- me a long time to realize Especially that. Especially not in pools. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't even go in a fucking pool. And- <laughs> it's not going to go in the water, dude. It's nighttime. Yeah, you're right, especially in pools. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, man. This is great talking to you. Same here. Um, are you going to parties tonight? Fuck no. Do you think the food's going to be better than the Critics' Choice? Because I saw you at Critics' Choice, and I was going to say something, but I realized I didn't the know. The food you. is not going to be any worse than at the Critics' Choice. Whew. Inedible. But it was funny, because I did see you, and I'm like, that's Tracy Letts. I should go over there and do what? Like, what am I going to do? Well, you also, you couldn't get out of your seat once the thing started, because you don't know when you're your too category far away. is coming up. You can't get over to somebody else. Yeah. My category wasn't even on the televised part. It was before. I had the Ladybird table to the yeah. side of me, and I had... The post table over there somewhere. Right. So I sat at the Fargo table because my wife was up for Fargo, so that seemed to be the right. Right. Nice. Right. Yeah. Diplomatic yeah. way yeah. to go with it. Yeah. I. But we were doing double digit losing, double fisted losing. Everybody's losing. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. If yeah, you weren't we with lost. Big Little Eyes. Yeah. Or Shape of Water, you were losing. That yeah. Night. Or the uh, marvelous Miss Maisel. Yeah. Going down. But uh, all right. Well, good luck tomorrow night. Thanks. Uh, maybe I'll see you over there, and we'll we'll, have, we'll probably be at tables where we can't. See we'll say hello because here's the weird thing with me is like I think a lot of people they just they don't register like if you don't really know this show or whatever what we're doing here. I'm just a guy, you know. Like I went to some guy's garage, you know. Apparently, it's a popular thing, and like I think like that people don't know, but like. Because I saw the only person, like, yeah, Greta's been on my show. I've talked to all these people. I've talked right. to all these people. Right. You know, of all different levels. That's the high point, right? Yeah, Obama, yeah. That's got to be the high point. Right? Definitely. Well, it was an exciting day. Okay. But was it the best conversation I've ever had? No. But it was an exciting day. And it was pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. No Did you doubt. reach out to him? Did he reach out to you? You want You want me to text him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, it was like it, they reached out. His staff reached out uh, about a year before, and it just sort of evolved. The conversation evolved, and, and then it happened, you know, and it was like it was a big deal. Big yeah. deal. Good president. There's yeah. never every, – everything's ne- it's never going to be like that again. No, I'm afraid not. The mm. pendulum swings. Yeah, I, but I I think it's going to break after this. I think <laughs> the swing is going to break. But uh, but what I was saying was like you know so I see people at the thing and I don't know how to you know because I saw w- Willem Dafoe just having me walking by me and yeah I had just talked to him in You'd here been in here yeah yeah and I looked at him and he looked at me like with that moment of sort of like eh, who is it and then it was like uh, that guy and now I'm projecting but you know it was awkward so then I realized like I'm not saying hi to fucking anybody who's been in my garage because I'm just oh that's sad. Hmm. I would hope you would say hi to me if well, I saw you. This in the was thing? a different experience. <laughs> Do you know? Because like, I think I hope we see each other tomorrow night, so I could just give you like the worst snub you've ever gotten. <laughs> well, in my mind, maybe it's my uh, maybe I'm projecting. In my mind, I think that people just see me as the guy that does the interviews in the garage, you know, and, and they're 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 well, they're, they're not paying attention. I don't pay very careful attention right. to the world, yeah. but I know who you are okay. beyond the guy in the garage. All right, well, that's I've it. seen you on your TV yeah. show. I yeah. know you're a Uneasy. stand-up. Yeah. 
I know you did this. Yeah. Uh, All, right. A, All right. All right. The so, easy. I, there's a the whole you okay. and Louis C.K. I yeah. know. I, you yeah. know. I know who the fuck you are. Okay. All right. Well, I wasn't indicting you, and I and I, now I feel better because really what I was just trying to do is make it okay for me to say hi to you tomorrow night. Absolutely, you should say hi. Please say hi. Uh, thanks for talking. <laughs> My pleasure. Okay, so to that was Tracy Letts, and to to complete the story, uh, you know, when I went to the SAG Awards, I went thinking that I could maybe maybe talk to Tracy Letts, maybe have these interactions that I didn't think I could have because he made me feel like I should have them, and I didn't know if it was going to happen, and I wasn't going to go run find him, but uh, I went uh, before the event started. I went to the restroom just to check my hair, actually, and wash my hands. I didn't have to pee. And I walked into the restroom, and who's washing his hands? Tracy Letts. And I see him, and then he sees me in the mirror standing by where I walked in. And it's pretty full of people, and I go, so this is where it happens. This is where it happens. Tracy Letts, this is it. And he turns around, he's laughing, and, uh, and I'm like, "This, uh, see, we're doing it. We're, at me, we're talking we're having this event, and, and he hugged me. I can't quite remember if it was in the bathroom or not. I'd like to think it was, but I think it might have been when we walked out. So so I got closure on that, and I feel a little more confident and comfortable in approaching people that I've talked to on this show, at award shows, as, as a relative equal. Thank you for that, Tracy Letts, and thank you for coming on the show. If you, I, You're not listening. You're not listening. And that, that whole table, people, sh- they, they sat pretty close to me, the Ladybird people. And I had to deal with Lori Metcalf because Lori, who I love, left her favorite hoodie here, her Steppenwolf hoodie, and she needed it for a photo shoot. And that's where that, t- that started to happen. I had to keep going back because I didn't get the name in the phone. So not only did I talk to people, but I annoyed them. I mean, like, I went and got Lori Metcalf's phone number, and they were sitting at the award show, and this was on a break, and I, I just wanted to make sure I could get her the hoodie in New York. I wanted to have her number. Huh, it was relatively complicated. But I had to go back two or three times because I kept fucking my phone up. But she got the hoodie and she sent me a nice card and re and recompensate and compensated me for the money I put out to FedEx it. It was a nice funny card thanking me with two twenties in it, just like my grandma used to send me. Alright, that's it. That's our show, no guitar. Boomer lives!